But my, my relationship with Mark was still good. Uh, and afterwards, when he was at Chester, uh, Peterborough, I, I still called him on, on, on occasions. And not that the fact is, is that we, we had a pretty good relationship. There was, there was no fallout with me and him, uh, just with Charlie, really. And um, were, were you still scouting for him at the time? Were you involved yes, in reserves still? I did all of it. Yeah, yeah, I did all of it. Yeah. Now, one thing that people probably don't know about Mark, uh, uh, he was largely responsible for the junior section coming on board. It was around about that time. I'm pretty sure that he was involved yeah. in the conversations with Chris Bormba when uh, Southport well, YMCA um, Chris, came across. Yeah, sorry, Dan. Uh, Chris Bormba came to me first and asked me, um, YMCA, what's the chances of us joining Southport Football Club as your junior clubs. So I put it to Mark, and he was enthused with it. He said, yeah, that's great. I, don't. I put it to Charlie, and Charlie's obviously, if it doesn't cost us money, no problem. And that's what Charlie was worried about, that it's going to drain resources uh, going into the junior section. And, and the reserves, of course, he paid for as well, or the club paid for. And then... Um, so Mark, yeah, Mark actually went to a meeting. Uh, I think it was in the club, um, if I remember right. I was there, and uh, yeah, he 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 showed a lot of encouragement. Mark, yeah, he, he insisted on it, really, didn't he? he? Insisted it happened. Yes. And yeah. obviously, the legacy is still there today. It's still thriving. Yeah. It's still doing well. Uh, yeah. We talking about Mark. We've skipped the one sort of big chapter um, in in your time at the club that obviously we really have to talk about, and that's that's. Futch and that's Wembley. Now the, oh, the, yeah. the the appointment of Paul, um, bit of a masterstroke in terms of what it did for Southport's name in the town. Um, league form wasn't fantastic. Let's be honest, the, the oh. couple of years that he was with us wasn't fantastic. But the players he brought in, some of the the, the most highly thought of names at the club. Um, I mean, my personal favourite has always been Scott Guyett. Brought him in from yeah. Gresley where he'd been. Yeah. Um, but he, but even I mean that was even that was after Wembley, wasn't it? But uh, but Wembley itself, I mean, what was it like being a director when your club gets to Wembley? That the best, if I had to have any praise for Charlie, and that this is one big praise because he decided that we were playing on the Sunday, and he decided that the team would travel down on the Thursday. He made sure all the players got off work. Uh, for Thursday, we travelled down on the Thursday. We went into one of the best hotels in uh, Surrey, a very expensive hotel. Um, we, I think it was a Thursday. Um, we were trained on the Friday morning and Charlie arranged for us to go to Wembley. Uh, Jack Carr, etc. We all went on the bus to Wembley to see the pitch, uh, walk around the, the stadium and, and even to the Queen's toilet we went into. But, but so it was it was a fantastic day. And then on the Saturday, then Charlie made sure we all had tickets to watch the FA Cup final. Um, um, the, the best memory I had was when we had to gather in the hotel foyer on the Sunday, ready to go to Wembley, Wes and Jack, I think, went to Wembley by car to put all the kit out, um, and Jack to do his his socialising bit. Um, and a policeman came in 
and said, are you ready to the coach driver? We have got to be at Wembley at one o'clock, spot on. And um, we were running late. The police motorcyclist was ahead of us. There was another one stopping traffic, going through red lights, going over pavements. I have never had a journey like it in a team bus before. And when we actually got to Wembley and saw the amount of yellow shirts and fans there, it just took a lump to my throat. I, I just couldn't believe so many people had made the effort to come down and support us, you know. And, of course, the coach goes between those twin doors and the doors close. And uh, the players were fantastic. And of course, I'd had a, a couple of games for Cheltenham, and it was my boyhood team, Cheltenham Town. And one of my friends that I played soccer with as a kid was a director at Cheltenham. So me being a director at Southport and him, you know, we had a, a few uh, things on the on the phone beforehand, etc. So it was a big day for me as well. Um, and uh, Steve Cottrell, I knew, uh, he's a Cheltenham boy. Um, so it was people saying, well, who are you going to support? I said, well, Southport, of course. <laughs> I didn't think twice, you know. So how many of the players would you have considered yours? I mean, Andy Farley, would you have considered him one of the one of your lads coming oh, yeah, through? He came, he came through my, my U team, Andy. I don't know where we got him from. I think it was, uh, must have been the youth programme we ran or, I don't know, because he was a Chorley lad. Um, Andy Farley, I can't remember who else played. Who was in goal? Billy? Billy, yeah. Yeah, Billy was in goal. Um, I was very friendly with Billy. Billy was full-time, you know. Do you, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. Billy was full-time with us. He was the only player. So, so what was he doing during the day then? Coaching or just... Me working up? with him. Me working with him. Over, over on the school fields. Day after day, we worked with him. In actual fact, I pride myself on... Because his deliveries, when he was coming out with the ball at his feet, was absolutely atrocious. And uh, so I worked with him on putting cones big cones all the way around the halfway line and, and I, I made sure he, he tried to hit one. Um, I can always remember that and he had his kids with him as well. So working working him, little kids. Um, so we had a great time. Um, what was behind uh, the decision to make Billy full-time? Was it, was it just the only way that we could attract him to the club? or? I think it was. I think Billy didn't have another job um, and I think uh, he was wanted badly and I can't show, man, I can't remember who, who signed him as a manager. I presume it was Futch. Or... I, can't, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll take your word for it, yeah. yeah. I, I just got this this thing in the back of my head that uh, that he became a, a sort of mobile disco chap at some point, that he had a little sideline. I think, I think he did. Yes, he, you're right. You've reminded me. What is funny, because we were coming home from a away game once, and we were running late. Uh, we, we stopped late. Uh, we stopped at the off license to get booze and stuff uh, and food and um, Billy was had to be at a disco in Skem to be fair he lived in Skem uh, he had to be at a disco at 8 o'clock or something or half past 7 and he was sweating buckets that he wasn't going to make it he was going to lose the lose the job um, but uh, I mean I used to have the same problem with uh, Kevin McCormack I don't know whether you know that he, he was a bouncer in the town Okay, yeah. And uh, he had to go back to start his shift. When, when we travelled away, 
he, he packed, when, when are we going to get home? He said, why? He said, I'm supposed to start, what do you call it, club it? So we, we've had our laughs, you know, and uh, about it, but, um, and we've had our, certainly had our uh, times on the team bus, which were always, always good to be on, you know, the fun, the lads, not so much when we lose, obviously, like the Bob Murphy thing, but um, most managers, after we've lost, they'll come up and say the best team won, or, you know, uh, we didn't do this, we didn't do that, and we'll work on it on Tuesday or whatever, you know. Um, what, what were the most difficult journeys? I mean, I, I'm assuming after the Northwich game, in which 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 was Jolie's last game, I'm assuming that pretty much writing was on the wall. We knew what was going to happen there. Um, I'm presuming that journey back was difficult. Yeah, yeah, I like Jolie. Uh, well, I think I everybody did, didn't they? Anybody that had yeah. been through the promotion. Lovely man. Lovely man. I remember, do you remember Andy Matthews? I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember him. Andy Matthews was in that sort of squad time where Jolie was there. Uh, he mainly played for me in the reserves and he had one or two outings, I think, with the first team. And uh, Andy Matthews didn't have a job. And um, we decided to paint the underside of the stand the main stand. So we had a scaffolding and Charlie Powell was the groundsman. And both Andy and myself were on this scaffold, rubbing it down and wire brushing it and painting it and stuff like that. When the zip up scaffolding was on the pitch and uh, Charlie Powell was pounding up and down because he thought they would ruin the pitch. And uh, as I came down, the scaffold fell with Andy Matthews on the top, right? And all Charlie Powell did was worry about the pitch and not Andy Matthews, which I, I thought was hilarious at the time. You know, Andy, as you know, is probably he's running a, a big nightclub now in Ibiza. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah, he's... Uh, um, I, I am on Facebook with him. He, he uh, I, Of course, I used to call him... In the reserves, I used to call him uh, Jigsaw. And he said, boss, why do you call me Jigsaw? I said, but you will go to pieces in the box. You know, as soon as he had a chance to score, he used to fluff it, you know. And then we had uh, a lad called Rimmer in goal. Is it uh, not Brian Rimmer? Uh, it was, I think it was Rimmer. The guy from Ainsdale, like local football again. And uh, I used to call him, uh, um, oh, what was it? Oh, uh, Oh my God, it's gone. It's gone. I used to call him a nickname anyway. Uh, um, oh, Dracula, I called him. He was another one. Why did you call me Dracula? I said, because you don't like crosses. You know, and he went, oh, oh, the no. best. So, so ever since then, oh, everybody called Andy Matthews Jiggy, Jigsaw, and uh, this goalkeeper they called Dracula, you know. Oh, all the best. Him. Yeah, but it was fun. We, we, we had a re really great youth team, you know. Uh, a, a great stream of players coming through. So what uh, do you think, do you think that's your legacy then? Your involvement with the youth and the reserves, is that what you see as your legacy or do you see yeah. your time as vice chairman as more? No, I, no, I, my, my legacy is mainly running the reserves, trying to produce kids to come through. Lee Furlong was my, one of my pet ones, I think, because we went to Halifax and he scored a hat-trick. I don't really remember that. Um, and, uh, People were saying to me, do you think he's up to it? He's only been playing in the reserves. I said, well, 
He's quick. Oh, are you meaning he's Mulvaney or are you meaning Mulvaney's Lee Furlan? Mulvaney, yeah. I was going to say it's yeah, Muller that's got the hat trick at Halifax, Lee wasn't it? Mulvaney, that? yeah. Yeah. Lee Mulvaney, yeah. And um, so um, I was quite proud of him. I was proud of Andy Much because Andy Much got let go by Everton. Um, and he was playing local football and I, I grabbed him and come and play for me on a Saturday for the reserves and go and play on the Sunday for somebody else. And Teeley did the same. He, he got, he got binned as well by uh, Liverpool, I think. Well, no, Everton, but while he was playing in our U team, Liverpool were interested, you know, remember uh, Kenny Dalglish when he was manager, he, he, he had a chat with Charlie about signing Teeley for Liverpool. Oh, wow. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, and, um, um, well, he didn't do bad for himself, did he? Let's be fair. He still went well, on and played at a very good level. The story with Sean was even better because Sean didn't go for trials or play, uh, go for training with Liverpool because somebody saw him out on the Friday night when he was going to a game on the Saturday and told Kenny that uh, Sean Teal was out drinking on the Friday night, but he should be playing the game on the Sunday. So that didn't go down with, with, with Kenny. And Kenny uh, actually bent, binned it. And he, he but I, to be, to be fair to Sean, at that time, I think that was the culture generally, wasn't it, in football, that you know players didn't look after themselves in the same way they do today. No, no. We, we, we all had drinks on the coach coming home. Uh, I, I frightened me to death some players driving home afterwards um, and I know one or two players did get stopped uh, on the way home um, and yeah no they didn't look after themselves uh, until Mark Wright came Mark Wright was a little bit tougher with them on, on what they ate do you think that was uh, because of his background as a, as a pro oh yeah I mean, I say that, that's probably casting aspersions on Peter or, or, or on Ronnie Moore. They they also played at a high level, didn't they? But I think yeah. Mark Mark was, you know, he was an England regular, wasn't he? I know Peter played for England, but he was only the yeah. one time. Mark was an England yeah. regular and he was a real name, wasn't he? And he was seen as big, a big different name. a different type of appointment for Southport. Yes, it was his first appointment as a manager. And, uh, of course, he brought in... Um, What's his name? Uh, Scott. Um, Ted. Who? Ted. Ted McMahon. Ted McMahon, yeah. He brought in Ted McMahon. And it was difficult because Mark lived on the world, as did uh, a couple of managers, actually. Um, yeah, Dave you know, lived in um, Bevington, I think, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, But Ted lived near Derby. Yes. And Ted's wife was the Derby County private secretary to the manager there as well. Uh, so Ted found it a strain driving up uh, for training and stuff like that. He made it, though. He, he did it, you know. He, he wouldn't let Mark down. Um, and I, I was up quite a few of the training sessions with them, you know. Um, yeah. But um, I think then going back to the legacy bit, I honestly think that my aim for youth players to come through Southport Football Club and local players, not Liverpool players, but mainly local players, though Liverpool-based players came through, as you know. But um, I worked quite hard. I went All Sunday I went out looking 
Um, couldn't on a Saturday because of commitment to Southport, but... Well, we did, we did quite well out of it, didn't we? In the 80s, where we struggled, we did quite well out of, of young local players coming through. You like to see your Kevs, uh, Kev McCormack and players and players like that. So, to be fair to you, Baz, we we've, we had a decent crop of players that came through. Granted, yeah. they, they weren't football league level players that people were, you know, well, expect, you know, the people we used players, to. Yeah. But to be fair, you probably got us through some dark times with finding those players. Well, we did because they were on peanuts. I mean, my first wage at Southport Football Club as reserve team manager was £15 a week. <laughs> which, and if that's what the manager was getting, what were the players getting? Yeah, yeah. The players weren't getting much more £20, if that, you know. So it was difficult. But then, um, of course, I mean, when you start thinking about what you do, you run your car to away games and you, you, you've got no expenses as such, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard a story from Kev Ellison recently when he was talking about his his experience with us and that he was being offered expenses of something like £25 a week in the late 90s under Ronnie Moore and yeah. you know, basically couldn't afford it because he'd been travelling with the team down to Welling and all sorts of stuff. And he was thinking yeah. about and looking at it going, my petrol's costing me more than it's right. than I'm getting in expenses. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yes, at the time, who was to know that that young lad would turn out to be the pro that he is today still playing? But you know, he he sought money and went to he went to Chorley with Teeley just because it was yeah. more money. Simple as that. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. Um, and you get upset by it, um, but at the end of the day, um, if you haven't got the money, you know, and don't forget, Chorley were less of a club than ours at the time. Yeah, yeah. And Nelson went, you know. Um, so it was. Uh, it it is quite embarrassing. So. I think I don't think I was under pressure to try and bring young players through. I just automatically did it. And if the manager liked them, then they got promoted. Um, Steve Rigby, um, you know, um, a, a goalkeeper called Mount, I think it was Mountfield or something like that. Um, he, I got him involved. He played in the first team a few times. Did you ever butt um, heads with managers over anyone in particular? Someone you really rated, the managers wouldn't take you on. I, only Vardy, really. <laughs> okay, no one's significant then. <laughs> no, yeah, because they, like, he was probably only about 17 then, Vardy, but he was getting talked about, you know. Yeah. One thing I did, I had a good relationship with a lot of other scouts, you know, league, league scouts as well, um, that I used to talk to, and yeah, he might do for you, but he won't do for us, like, you know, that bit. Uh, go and watch him, and that I used to go around nightly. I travel all over. I remember going to Salisbury to watch Salisbury play before we paid them in the cup, and that's and I was back the same night. And that's a killer of a journey, you know. I think that's the first time I ever met Alan Lua. He was watching us that night because he was he was Alan wanting Lua, to apply yeah. for the job, um, and he didn't. I think he did apply for the job, but he actually came in as assistant to Peter and lasted about a week before Peter got rid of him. And didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peter found uh, too much pressure, I think, from Alan, you know. Yeah, I, I mean... Like it, him. Very knowledgeable man, very knowledgeable man. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I got on really well with, with Hugh, who Peter, Peter brought in from Bangor. Uh, lovely guy, great yeah. guy. I learned a lot from him personally. Uh, he's still managing now, League of Wales, doing very well for himself. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so after, uh, after Wrighty... Um, Phil Wilson, 
um, we're, we're into the uh, the dark days of 2002, 2003, yeah, and, and, so the, and the season where how on earth we got relegated, I, I've not, I'll never know. And we, we come full circle through to, to, to Mick Walsh, don't we? But let's go Phil Wilson first of all. Um, yeah. Came to us with some pedigree from Staleybridge. I think he'd won yeah. the league with them, brought a number of players with him, Sid being the, the, the you know, probably yeah. one of the most famous yeah, ones. Yeah. Um, Notts County, fantastic experience, uh, the, the FA Cup game. Lee, uh, the fullback. Um, what was his first name? Kevin. Kevin Lee. Kev, well, Kev Lee was a bit later on. So Kev, Kev Lee wasn't through. Yeah, wasn't through it, Phil. It, he it, came. It, he came with Cookie. No, no. Kev Lee was later it? on. Chris Lane, you're thinking of. Chris, Chris Lane. Sorry. Chris Lane, you're thinking of. Yeah, that, the fullback. So, I don't know. How we got this. Um, but did, did, I've got to say, with with that manager. I don't have. I didn't have the same relationship with Phil. No, I mean, yeah, it was hard work. Assistant was Peter Ward, Peter wasn't it? Ward, yeah, I'm so on Facebook. Yeah. He, I mean, with Phil bringing in his own man from, uh, w- was that the reason for the difference in that he had his management team? It was already close knit. There wasn't really Correct. room for you in it. No, uh, I, I, I think I still did the reserves, and I can't remember. Um, but uh, the. There was definitely a block between us, the reserves, and the first team. Yeah. And there was no, you know, there was there no was crossover. Play on your own, yeah, and that uh, he never invited, never came to watch the reserves. Not that I can remember, anyway. Uh, to say, oh, invite him to practice or training, you know. Well, here's uh, a question that I've always wanted to know. Then, so obviously, when we beat Notts County, we were third in the league. We had. Uh, Yeovil and Chester to play who were second and first things were looking really good and uh-huh. yet our form dipped significantly after that I mean we we got knocked out in the next round of the cup and we we were on a on a pretty poor run but yeah. when Phil Wilson left we were still seventh eighth ninth in the league we were mm-hmm. we had a huge gap still uh, above the relegation zone no one even entertained the thought that we'd actually go down so what why did Phil Wilson get sacked? Where, where did that come I don't from? Know. I don't know. It once, I think Charlie had a little uh, thing in his head that if we lost five nil anywhere, then the manager went. He, he, uh, and I always remember Kidderminster. We went to Kidderminster away. We lost five nil there. Uh, and I'm not sure who the manager was, whether it's Foot, I'm not sure, but the manager went that day. Uh, but if we were losing, uh, we had a losing streak, five, six, seven games. I, I, I think Jolie was a 5-1 at Northwich, wasn't he? Something like that. That was, that was there you yeah, go, there's yeah. my little, uh, little Charlie bit, you know. Yeah. Uh, one, once he got five goals scored against us. That was it. Then, he, Charlie that, always believed then we lost the manager's dressing room. Yeah. When that, because he couldn't motivate them enough to... To play, you know. Uh, so, and do you think that's what it was? He 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 looked at that dressing room and thought it's gone. Well, I think uh, with Jolie, I never, I really wasn't in the dressing room with Jolie. Um, what about with Phil Wilson then? Or with Phil, I, did... I certainly, I certainly uh, was partly involved when Charlie was saying to me about Phil Wilson. Uh, we, I was involved. Um, because we were poor, you know. Um, we didn't play the, the football. Um, 
there was certain players that Peter's job, to to be fair, um, was job to bring them in. You know, and I don't think he was bringing them in. Um, and I think uh, Charlie's relationship with Phil was weaning a bit. You know, um, that didn't go down too well. And I suppose really, you you live and die by your results. If they're not there, you know, um, you go. And that's... So how how much do you think the decision was influenced by the fact that Mike Walsh was effectively sitting waiting in the wings? Without a job available, I mean. Well, he wasn't really. Uh, believe it or not, what happened with Mick, and and we were very friendly because Mick lived in the same road, Curzon Road, as with Charlie. I lived in uh, Pilkington Road, and we used to go to the parties together and all this, and, and, and nights out together. And what happened was was Mick was doing something for um, England. And I had to go down to St. George, St. George in Birmingham. Oh, Aston Villa ground, sorry. Aston Villa's training ground um, to go and bring Mick back up um, for the interview with Charlie. But it was, I've got to say, it was a formality. Now, don't forget, Mick had great success at Berry Football Club and Mick had good success at Barrow Football Club. And... Um, Charlie and I really felt Mick was possibly the way to go, you know, not so much that he was friendly with us, but, but his experience on players, his experience with uh, Barrow Football Club and Berry Football Club. And uh, I mean, he was being talked about on uh, coaching at uh, Man, Man City at one time, you know, as one of the academy coaches or the you know, the youth coach or something. So why yeah. do you think it didn't work then? Because it was pretty disastrous, wasn't it? As far as the spell goes, that the back end yeah, of that I season was, was horrendous. I was upset when we weren't doing it and we went to South Liverpool. Was it South Liverpool? No, not South Liverpool. Where's the team over the world, what they're called again? I'm not uh, on Tramia. He won't put me Tramia. No, no. Non-league club. Um, near, it's near Tramia, I know. Anyway, uh, we Ellesmere Port, Vauxhall, one of those? Vauxhall. Vauxhall it was. We were playing Vauxhall away, and I think it was over the Christmas pass. I know it's a bank holiday, and uh, we lost badly, I think, to Vauxhall. And Carl McCauley, and I knew Carl, because I tried to sign, I tried to get Carl from Bursco to, to Southport at one time. You know, I talked to, I talked to him in Bursco. In, in the pub opposite Bursco's ground and everything, Carl, to try and tempt him, uh, which I would have got smacked for normally, you know. Um, but Carl said, no, he, yeah, he said, I'm interested. He said, but it, not to the end of the season and all that. Bursco were on a good run. Uh, not sure who the manager was, whether it was Liam, but I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah, that's basically, I was frightened to death when Mick walked down to the dressing room and Southport players were banging the fence, Walsh out and all that. And it was embarrassing, really, you know. And, of course, they were shouting for us out, bored out and all that. Didn't um, Is that the first time during your spell, uh, spell on the board where you felt real pressure on you as a board? Yes, yes. Because yes. I think, I think that, towards that, the end of Futch's reign, there was, a, there was a fair bit of that. And Hayden's gone on record and criticised 
the early days of port chat as being one of the reasons for or blames the internet in general for one of the reasons for Futcher getting sacked. But you didn't feel that at the time. It was more Mick Walsh. No, no. Um, I felt worse with Mick Walsh than it, mainly because we were friends and I could see the hate and the disgust in a lot of Southport fans who, you know, to be fair, they pay their money and, and travel away, away games and that. And, and it's a big chunk of their money out their wages. And, and they've got every right to voice their opinion, you know. But that was hate uh, at the best to Charlie, me, every, everybody. And we walked, there was like a fencing up. I remember that. It was like a, a, like a, a mesh fencing between the field and the, and the dressing room. And we walked down that. And it was very, very embarrassing, you know. So getting uh, relegated at Stevenage, I remember I was dressed as a lion that day. I was I was yeah. doing mascot duties. I don't think any of us really expected to go down, did we? I think we were convinced that somehow we'd we'd stay out of it. We weren't in the bottom three till the last day. What well, how, what were the conversations like afterwards? Surely as well, a board you must have met and said, look, it, what what do we do now? What happened, Dan, was when we were playing Stevenage, Mike asked me to sit on the bench with my phone. Charlie recruited his reps for Palace Chemical to go to teams that were expecting to lose, but won. And he had them round, and he was Charlie was on constant phone message with all these reps. Uh, I think there was five of them in the end, you know, at different grounds all over. Um, uh, and I was... Uh, because of the score, Charlie was calling me on the bench to tell Mick the score. So the pressure on Mick on the Stevenage game was tremendous, you know. Um, and uh, I felt for Mick greatly. We, we still remain friends afterwards. Uh, and Charlie did, to be fair. But it was easy. Uh, Mick pretty much said, held his hands up and said, I just can't do it, you know. Did he? I mean, we, after the relegation was confirmed that day, were, were there any? I mean, Mick stayed on for a little bit. He started the season with the Unibond, didn't he? But yeah. were, were the conversations straight away after the relegation to say, you know, do you want me to go? Should I resign? Was, was uh, there no, any talk of that? No, I mean, uh, I, I, he might have had a private conversation with Charlie, but he didn't with me. And um, because I did a lot with Mick, I, I again took Mick on outings to non-league grounds and because um, Mick was another one that hadn't really done non-league only Barrow, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's no so, conversations as a board to say, do we consider terminating this contract? No, or? not at that time because I think I think we grew to expect that we were going to go down. That was the important. We were hoping we wouldn't. Yeah. But we had no magic wand to... You know, to uh, to say that we were going to stay up, uh, we relied on other scores and not. And when when we when Stephen scored the first goal, everybody in the dugout there, their heads dropped. I pretty knew the writing was on the wall. Excuse me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen it written recently actually that one of the surprising things that day was that Clarkey was brought on. Um, and when we were chasing a game and we were bringing defenders on, I think I think it was at that point certain supporters just thought he's given up here. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he brought Clarkey on. I think he didn't. He, I think he was 
thinking Clarkie would get down the line and get some crosses in or stuff like that. You know. Yeah, it's interesting one, isn't it? Because in his first that. first spell, the Clarkie very much did get forward a lot more, didn't he? Yeah. But then Ronnie converted him to a sweeper, and then he yeah. very much changed his game to to be he that. Did. And he did well. I don't don't get me wrong. I love Clarkie. Yeah. He played hundreds of games for us. He did really really well. But, but in terms slower. of he got slower without question, you know. Yeah, in terms of attacking options. He isn't yeah. really, is he? I mean, anyway, so we start the season in the Unibon. It starts reasonably well, but then again, things don't things don't pan out the way we wanted. So no. pressure built on you to, to make a decision. Yeah. Was it yeah. a decision that you had to make? Did it did Mick Walsh come to you and say, I, think, I can't do it? And I think Mick, it was a case of a chat between us to say it's it's not going well. I think it's time that we changed and make yeah. a green sort of thing. It was not a a shock or a surprise. I think with Mick, it was the case of uh, he knew the writing was on the wall as far as the, the club's concerned. Uh, and he loved the job. He loved doing it. Um, I mean, I, I, Mick and myself, we went to watch Earl Davis at Burnley in yeah. the reserve. And he was captain. And Mick said, he, he knew the Burnley manager at the time, whoever it was. Stanton, and asked him yeah. if he get him on loan. And he come on loan. Uh, and uh, we, we saw him play. And he was a colossal person. Yeah, centre-back there. Won everything in the air, strong. I think his uh, debut was that Halifax game we talked about earlier on. Yeah, yes. Uh, and then, believe it or not, when he, he went back to Burnley, and then... Uh, when Liam was appointed, um, he was looking for a centre-back. And I said to Liam, I said, have you heard of a, a guy called Earl Davis? And he said, no. I said, well, he played for us briefly on loan from Burnley. And I said, I know for a fact that Burnley are letting him go. So I met Liam down at Port Vale's training ground where Burnley reserves were playing Port Vale reserves. And he played. And that's when Liam got introduced to Earl. And that's how Earl came to South. That was the start of a beautiful relationship. Correct. Correct. So in terms so, of Mickey Walsh getting and Mickey Walsh leaves, um resignation, stroke, sacking, you know, right. combination of the two. Um, appointment to Liam follows. Um, a brave appointment. He's only what was he, thirty-three at the time. Um yeah, yeah. obviously you'd seen him at Runcorn, he was he was, you know, making yeah. waves there. Um what Quite a different appointment, though. What what was the thinking behind? I think change. I think when we talked about it, uh, Dan, it was all about we forget the big names. Let's get somebody with non-league experience, and then we looked around to see who was get being most successful on the, the least amount of money, which is typical. You know, that's what clubs do. Uh, I once again, I went to watch. Run corn before that happened. Uh, Liam won a game. Uh, I wasn't too keen on his style of football then. Uh, seemed to play the long ball and no no playing out from a goalkeeper that bit and it disturbed me a bit. And then um, Bob Murphy once said to me, "Don't ask a fullback to do a winger's job and don't ask a winger to do a fullback job." do them what they're good at. And that stuck by me for a long time, you know. So when uh, when they play wing-backs, which is basically what it is, 
really. But you've got cover at the back, so you know. And um, I, I, I just felt at the time I, I did say to Charlie, I said, I'm not keen on the style he plays, but he gets results. And he gets results. That's what we've got to look for. And uh, that's when, um, that's when we put out. And uh, I, I don't think, I don't think we approached Liam. Uh, I think he approached the club when, when we have it. And bearing in mind, when, when we put out an advert for a manager, we were getting 50, 60, 70 applicants. Consistent, is that consistently for, for, for each one? Because let's be honest, you went through quite a few with Charlie. Yeah, yeah but then every, every manager I can remember, there was always a load of people. Uh, and I went through a lot of interviews with some big people. And I can't remember for life of you now. But, but we went some interview some big people and you you ask the question you say well how's your non-league you know well yeah i haven't done non-league but it can't be anymore and it is different it's a different ball game to league football and the players are different they're part-time they're not full-time so it is and what we liked about liam was the fact that he was working at the prison uh in aintree uh he was part-time he can juggle his shifts to get off. Um, he, he, he could bring players with him. And he, he brought um, Macker, didn't he? The goalkeeper. Um, and um, I, I must admit, on the pre-season, um, I think it was the following pre-season, I suppose. I, I can't remember when Liam was appointed now, but... Um, it was 0304, wasn't it? So we spent the yeah. it, it, Liam's first real job really was to get us out of the Unibond into the top. Oh, is it top eight? Yeah. Was it to qualify for the Conference North? Yeah. Which obviously he did, thankfully. Um, and yeah. obviously the second season we we went on and won the thing. Well, yeah, I know, I know. I remember on a preseason game we played in Manchester somewhere, and I went there with Sam. Uh, where we stood next to Sam watching the game, <laughs> and we were wa- we were watching. Macmillan, you know, in goal, and oh, he's pretty small for a goalkeeper. And Brian Griffiths always used to say, "Don't trust a small goalkeeper." That was that was Brian's always big saying: "Don't trust a small goalkeeper." See, he I've, said, I've heard that so many times, and it was drilled into me as well when we were doing yeah. uh, when we were doing the under twenty ones. And yet, yeah. with no disrespect to Maka or no disrespect to Dicko or, or Billy Stewart, yeah. who were fantastic goalkeepers, one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen in a Southport shirt was David Rea Martin, the Spanish keeper, who is now in the Premier yeah. League with Brentford. And he's tiny. Yeah. He's just so yeah. agile. It was, it was ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, I just read something. Is he at Brentford, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, pre- exactly. Yeah. Premier League goalkeeper now. And he was yeah. he was superb when he came to us. I think us Arsenal, like Arsenal put a bid in for him, haven't they? Yeah, I believe so, and and yeah. and I and I'm and I'm not surprised. I wish him every success, but yeah, he's yeah. an example, isn't he? A shining example of a smaller goalkeeper that is is just so talented that it just makes height I mean, a non-issue, I, doesn't it? I always, I always thought Steve Dickinson was ace as a keeper. I think his biggest complaint with Steve is he didn't talk as much as he should have done as a to his back back four players to you know in ball handling and his. Uh, uh, fitness and his athleticism was terrific. You know, I always uh, rate Billy because Billy uh, was big, not throwing the crosses, came in for him. Um, a lot of a lot of saves he made that a lot of other goalkeepers might not save. 
Um, so I always rated Billy. Um, but uh, I always remember Brian Griffiths going back a little bit again. And Dave Jones, we were at, uh, we played at um, Lancaster City. Um, we had a goalkeeper there and he was only a short goalkeeper. Not that big. And um, it was a, it was a fight in the dressing room afterwards. What happened was uh, the goalkeeper, and I can't think of his name now. You, you, you might look it up afterwards. Um, he came and clattered Dave Jones, his brother, Mark Jones. He punched him when he should have been punching the ball. And Mark went down and he was quite stunned about it and all that. Well, back in the dressing room after the game, we lost the game, I think, against Lancaster. Only 1-0 or something. Um, of course, Dave Jones got on to the goalkeeper for, you know, punching his brother. And uh, there was all sorts going on then after that. So Could it have been Paul, by any chance? Paul Evans? Paul. Paul, yeah. Right, well, I'll let you into a secret, Barry. And this will be an exclusive on this interview going out on the website. We've just talked about two long-standing goalkeepers, Paul Evans and Steve Dickinson, yeah. both of whom we're going to induct into the Hall of Fame this year. And we've confirmed it with both of them. So we will right. be announcing the date for that later in the year, but yeah. a pair of them will be going into the Hall of Fame yeah, for, yeah, for their contribution. Hey, get on. I mean, Steve Dickinson, I got on Facebook. Paul, Paul to be fair, I, I haven't, but I rated Paul. Because he was a bit like Dicko as far as, you know, athleticism and uh, making saves and stuff like that. But it was, it, I'm telling you that story because um, when you, if you see him, you know, he'll remember it well that uh, Dave Jones was really irate, you know. And he was going, well, we'll have to ask him about that one. Pardon? We'll have to ask him about that one in the well, Hall of Fame. Because I do, I was in the dressing room, so. I remember it. and uh, oh, He's a great uh, lad, Paul. We've, we've had him down at Hague Avenue recently. The only reason we've not oh, had Dicko really? down recently is because he's he's only just stopped playing, hasn't he? So, I don't you know, know. I really don't yeah. know. I've not been following his career at all. Um, but, uh, but yeah. But, uh, like Paul, I mean, he was a Blackpool lad. He was a Blackpool uh, reserve team player, youth team player. Uh, and I took a, a, I, over going over to USA, I took a, a player from Blackpool that knew Paul quite well, you know, or played with him or whatever. You know? um, but yeah, Paul Evans, that's right, yeah. So I remember that well. And to be fair with Dave Jones, I like Dave Jones. I thought he was, um, he talked sense in everything he did. He's done um, well for himself in, the, in his career, hasn't he? I mean, I remember him as a Southampton manager. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I haven't been in touch with him, uh, but I always remember him, Dan, uh, when when it all exploded about him, uh, when he was worked at the um, naughty boys' home or girls' home or whatever it was in Formby, um, Dave came to practice one night and he was absolutely fuming. He said, I've just had to reprimand a, a lad, you know, that was messing out with a girl. And he said, I, I seriously could have killed him, you know. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not for this job. And that was his words. I'm not for this job, he said. And he went on to practice, but you could tell, in the, even in the practice, he's still fuming from that that uh, confrontation he had in that home, you know. Yeah, but it um, takes a, it takes a, a certain type of person to be able to switch off from work, doesn't it? And I think this is interesting because it's an interesting back, link back to Liam, isn't it? If you look at the characters that Liam will obviously have had to work yes. with, yes, to be able to change from that to to go and manage in a dressing room, uh, it. 
yeah, he his strength is man management. Always has been, hasn't it? Always has been. Yeah. I mean, I've got to say, he's good man manager. I. Um, well, let me I ask a question then in terms of your relationship with Liam. So Liam is well known for unearthing a gem and for yeah. bringing that gem, someone who's perhaps fallen out of the game or or has, yeah. you know, fallen off the rails. Liam will get him back on track, get him a move. And you can list players that Liam has brought through. Given that your career at Southport started in the 80s of you doing that, how well did you work with Liam? Was there ever a clash in terms of, well, you're trying to do what Liam tried to do or? Yeah. No, never, never. I've never fell out with Liam as far as tactics, players. Never fell out with him one bit. Uh, some I don't agree with, but then everybody. Yeah, it's game of opinions, isn't it? Say that. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I, I don't think he should have signed him or that. But I never voiced my opinion to him directly or to Charlie Reed. Charlie, do you know this player? And I say, yeah, I, I, I went and watched him a couple of times and I reported back to Liam, and, you know, not many times, but I reported back to Liam and watched him. But then Liam had a lot of, he had a good record with a lot of people looking out for players for him. Yeah. You know, um, he, he, he had a good uh, little black book, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, I was quite impressed with, you know, the people he knew. Well, that that 2003-04 season and 2004-05, he had to have a bit of a turnaround of the squad, didn't he? A lot of the players that Mike Walsh had brought in, Liam, had to move on, bring his own people in. And yeah. it obviously worked, didn't it? I mean, he got us promoted out yeah. of the Conference North. Phenomenal season that we'll all remember. Um, yeah. Kept us up. I think that was a bigger achievement, even even more than getting promoted, was keeping us up when 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 we, we stayed up in, in 2005-06. But then he moved on. Um, it's It's been well documented. The, that, was the, that was a strange one. I think um, I think uh, Charlie was. I think the trouble is Charlie was working. Uh, he was ahead of the board on the conference, or one of the heads, wasn't he, on the conference? And he was talking. He, he made a lot of friends on on uh, Stevenage, especially, and a lot of other clubs that have gone full time. Uh, he was talking about getting full time and what money it would cost to go full time. So there was a little bit of pressure then with Liam on um, on going full time. I think it was discussed with Charlie and him. Uh, I think because of Liam's pension with the prison authority, uh, he, he would have lost it if he'd have come out. Yeah, uh, I mean, so Liam's going. spoken publicly about about that time um, on the basis that there would effectively been an agreement that Gary Brabham would be the full-time coach and that Liam yeah. would effectively remain part-time because of the situation that you're talking about. Yeah, and, that, right. and that it had pretty much been agreed that that would happen. But the, 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 the story really that I wanted to see if I can tease out of you is that the players didn't believe that Charlie meant, meant it and that they thought that Charlie had effectively put the full-time threat over them thinking he'd never have to go through with it and what i wanted to get from you is yeah. is that true did 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 we really as a board believe that we would actually go full-time or were we forced into it because liam kept us up no we certainly weren't forced into it i again i think um i think the pressure on charlie from other conference clubs that were going full-time that were aiming to get into the league he knew at one time we'd have to go full-time to get into the league. 
uh, and to get part-time players to play at that standard and win the conference national was the most difficult thing to do. Uh, and Liam knew it, I think. He knew it. He knew that we couldn't do it. The, the best opportunity to go full-time and get in the league was uh, Mark Wright. Yes. That was the time. We had Mick Marsh in there. We had Teeley. We had some really good players. Um, and that was a know, conscious decision, was it? By I mean, obviously, we've talked about Mark's departure, but that was a conscious decision by the board, was it, to not throw money at it, to not back Mark and to, to really go for it? I think what the worrying thing is, is clubs that were now coming down from the league with parachute payments uh, to aim to go back up again, uh, and the parachute payments were substantial uh, to, to well, Division 3 or whatever you call it, you know, Division 2. But um, And it was always going to be an uphill battle to try and give the players the money that other clubs were dangling the carrot. We, 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 we knew players were leaving for £1,000 a week and £2,000 a week. Uh, we, with no way could we match that yeah. on the gates we were showing, you know. Uh, was it a naive move for us to publicly state that we were desperate to get back in the Football League when we knew that that was the case and we couldn't I know, throw that money? I think, I think the... I mean, it's been known that Charlie has tried to get other directors to come in with lots of money. Um, directors that would have possibly ploughed in uh, and let Charlie still be chairman. Uh, I think Charlie wanted that. Uh, people said he didn't, but it was wrong. Uh, he, he voiced to me a, a few times, I wish we could find a, a sugar daddy. Um, but, was, it, um, was it all predicated on he had to remain chairman, though? Was that was no, that the crux of it? He certainly didn't say it to me. Whether that was his intentions, he kept that quiet to himself because he certainly didn't tell me that. Yeah. Uh, he did. He did mention that we obviously need more money. I yeah. mean, he let Sam in. To be fair, he brought. You know, Sam was a long, a lifelong supporter. Sam uh, was a bigger shareholder than Charlie for years, wasn't he? Let's be fair. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, uh, certainly Sam, because Sam lived in Cheltenham, um, he didn't want uh, the day-to-day -day running of the club. He, he wanted Charlie. Charlie could do that from Liverpool uh, with me at the club as well and Ken, uh, Ken especially. Uh, Ken was full-time, see? Um, so it was basically wanted... I mean, I think Sam even tried to possibly dangle uh, the carrot with... Uh, Ken Wright, etc. You know, um, I know we got the, we we did get uh, the Everton reserves in the beginning, after Liverpool uh, through Ken Wright and, and Sam yeah, yeah. being friends and that. Um, so that was a big help. But that 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 was to bring extra money in that we needed from those those yeah. games. You know? So so the, what a change then between the Mark Wright era when we flirted with full time, yeah. and the Paul Cook era starting. So 2006, Paul Cook, I mean, we talked about it very, very briefly early on that you were involved in the in the appointment process for Paul. Yeah. Um, what was the difference then? Why was the time right in 2006 to try it? I know you said Charlie was coming under pressure, but what changed financially? 
Right. Well, nothing, nothing had changed because we were still, uh, Charlie and Sam were still um, putting the same amount of money in, as far as I know. Um, they'll never make it public exactly what it cost them for weekly. Yeah. But the wages were getting paid. And any player that you talk to will tell you when Char Charlie was chairman, we had the best hotels. We had the best coach, team coach. The whole team coach would have fitted Liverpool. You to, know? Be, to be fair, we've we've conducted a number of these former player interviews. You've you've been watching them, obviously, and every single one of them has commented on how professional a club Southport was, oh, yeah. which is which is interesting to me because obviously, yeah. as a supporter, you're always yeah. critical of your own club, aren't you? And you look yeah. at it from the outside and you think, oh, we're just an amateur outfit Not sometimes. True. Not true. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Charlie, we stopped in the best hotels. If it meant overnight, we stayed overnight, and Charlie footed the bill. Uh, or Charlie and Sam footed the bill. Um, I, I know because I was witness several times. Yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't a Southport Football Club check. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, so that's why I, I did get upset on unfair criticism with Charlie. Put your money in, Charlie. Well, he is putting his money in. But what yeah, they wanted. It's not through the books. Yeah. Assault him from somewhere. Yeah. From you know, you, but you don't get them at non-league level, you know. No. So, Paul Cook comes in. Um, everyone had high hopes for Paul. Obviously, we've seen subsequently since he's left that yeah. he can coach, he can manage. He's done it elsewhere. Um, Wigan, he did a great job. Really yeah. pleased for me. I I was Paul's press officer for a while. Lovely guy to talk to. I think he was very frustrated, caught up in the uh, in the the backlash from supporters from Liam having left. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, he made lots of mistakes as well. New manager uh, and what have you. Um, things things moved on quickly from there. I mean, you, when did you go back to the states, Baz? Was it two thousand and nine? Was it? Uh, so uh, you, yeah, probably 30, a couple of years 30, after Paul. Thirteen years ago. Yeah. So a couple years yeah. ago, Dan. Yeah. So so how how much how much active involvement did you have post Paul Cook then? With Paul, I was there when Paul was there. Um, so when did he go? Oh, he didn't last long. He didn't see out the he season. Yeah, he didn't see out the season. Um, and then it was Peter again. So that's the case. I think we went, we came over, I think, the March, I think. I can't, my wife's not with me, so um, she's in the front room. But um, I think it was something like, um, the March time when we came over, uh, yeah, because I was I actually retired 65, you know. Um, so had you always been planning to go back to the States? Is this something that you'd had well, yes, set no, your sights on? Well, my what happened was when I was over in the States in 87, 88, uh, I brought my son with me but left my daughter in, in Southport. She was courting pretty strong and she didn't want to come to the States. So I took my son, who went to high school in Myrtle Beach, um, become one of the star players at this high school. So I actually coached the high school as well as coaching at Coastal Carolina College, you know. And um, uh, so I worked there. And then um, he actually came back to England before we came back. And he was said he, he, he graduated from high school and said that he missed his mates in Southport and stuff like that. Um, so he came back and, and uh, got a job uh, working at a gas station, a petrol, petrol station. Uh, 
And um, steady, the Americans coming through there, Bass. Yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have to watch a lot more. I have to say, you know. And then um, when we went back to England, as I say, I went down in to manage Homer Green, um, and I got a part time and I got a reps job there, uh, doing doing um, working for a company, and uh, then all of a sudden, Carl, um, he. Charlie called me, as I think I said earlier, to say, would I go back to the reserves? So what happened is Carl came from Southport and he took over my reps job and I took over the uh, work in the reserves at Southport. And that's how that happened. Um, and then he came back to Myrtle Beach for a high school reunion and met one of the girls that he was knocking around with, uh, fell in love again, and he stayed, basically. Okay, so this was a going back to Steve family then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, he he then became an American citizen, and he said uh, nine years ago, said though probably ten years ago, uh, sorry, nine years, two thousand and eight or something. Like, would you like Would you like to come over again to the USA? I can sponsor you and blah blah blah. You know. So um, that's so we made plans that we would come back to the states. I've uh, still got a property in Southport, which I, I rent out. Um, that was a, a safety belt, a safety belt, really, uh, in case we, we, it didn't we, work. We, yeah. But now the unfortunate thing about it is we've got grandchildren here. I've got great grandchildren here because my my grandson from England, my daughter's son, came over to college here. And he got married to an American girl. Now he's got two kids. Um, so, which is really, we're torn now between. Yeah. And then, of course, we came over for my granddaughter's wedding. Uh, had to um, isolate for 10 days. And then the, she was getting married on the Friday up in the Lake District with a lot of her friends that you would know, no doubt. Um and um, she went down with COVID on the Thursday. Oh, no. Yeah. So we had to isolate again for another 10 days. So she they rearranged the wedding for the 19th of July, and it went off absolutely a treat, you know. Good, so, good, good, good. And, of course, I, I see people I haven't seen for years, you know. No, it's great. I mean, it's, it's great that we still see you at Haygav every now and again. It's, yeah. It's, well, it's, I think we stand in my the surprise. Concert. Yeah, it's always Jack Carstan the first half. Yeah, it's always a nice prize. I mean, we've always got on well, Barry, yeah, I and mean, you've yeah, always yeah, been yeah. good to me. So, uh, I know it's good to see you. Anybody done, you know, uh, unless they're obnoxious or something. <laughs> so you went. So you went back over. In, let, let's call it 2008, 2009. I can't remember exactly when it was. I think yeah. it was 2009. Um, you stayed on the board though, according to Company's House, until yes. 2017. Yeah. So this was this the same arrangement as before? You, your Charlie's confidant, your Charlie's consultant. Yeah. You'd, I think you'd ring Charlie, you for advice. Charlie, I think, I think he was thankful for what I have done over the years at the club, and supported him. To be fair, yeah. in good or bad, we've supported each other really. And I think, um, I think I stayed on the board. Uh, mainly um, because of the shares and the fact is, it's all, I'm only a phone call away yeah. or a Zoom away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, if there was anything, but obviously I couldn't physically see 
anything about the club. Or, you, weren't, you weren't actively involved in no, decisions involved, or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. But I was supporting him with the chairs, I suppose. Yeah. Well. yeah. Um, and the final, when Charlie resigned, the final phone call from Charlie was, uh, is there any chance of me releasing your shares to let the club go on its own way? And I said, yeah. My son wasn't happy about it, but um, I was disappointed. But I, I, I've always, with Sam and Charlie, I've always supported them. And their decision was to release it. Uh, obviously not to, um, what's, what's the guy with the money? Phil. Hey? Phil. Phil. Phil, that's why I met him actually that Saturday at Huddersfield. <laughs> Against Huddersfield, I met him. Anyway, um, yeah, so I think Charlie was quite determined not to have him in the beginning because he wanted, he felt uh, that he would uh, railroad the club. You know, that's what he felt, Charlie. And he said that he wanted Mr. Is it Treadwell? Yeah. Yeah. He wanted Mr. Treadwell to take over and pretty much run it uh, and not run it to the ground, you know, run it like a supporter would. Uh, he knew Phil was not a supporter as such. And uh, I think he felt that, you know, uh, he, somehow he was going to make money out of it. I think, I don't know. Uh, as it was, he, he didn't do that. You know, well, I think anybody who goes into football thinking they're going to make money needs their head well, reading. So I don't think, that, <laughs> I don't think anybody can ever think that's going to happen. Mean, I'm, I'm on port chat as well. Not all the time, but I, I look at some comments and say, oh, yeah, what did Charlie do with the FA Cup money? And, uh, you know, the, the money he earned from that. Well, what the bloody hell do you think he did with it? Spend it? You know, he put it, plowed it back into the club, you know, big time, you know. Listen, I think, Baz, I've, I've taken two hours of your time. This is probably the longest interview we've ever I've, done. Uh, I've but I've enjoyed every minute of it. Yeah, and me. Well, um, you know, as a an ex-Southport director, I can't say I've ever regretted being a, um, a, a director. I've had good times and I've had hairy times. And the hairy times, obviously, is when we're going down and it's been a nightmare. But... Um, all the best to the club. I've, I've got very fond support for the club. Always support the club. I've got a shirt like that in the cupboard. <laughs> I used it on. <clears throat> but I've got a shirt like that um, given to me. Um, and um, I, I wish everybody at Southport Football Club all the best time. Barry, thank you ever so much. Uh, I'm sure we will speak again soon. But for now, yeah. we'll say thank you very much. Thank you for the the countless number of years and the effort and what have you that you've put in and for the legacy of players that you brought through in the 80s in particular yeah, um, appreciate it. Thank, you. thank you very much Barry uh, take care take care Dan take care mate bye bye, bye.